1: Hello. Welcome to Missoni and Marshall, a meaningful marketplace. We're here weekly to discuss the, the journey of food entrepreneurship. Today, it's me, Sarah Marshall here, owner of Marshall's Sauce. My co-host, Sarah Missoni, is on a plane right now, so it's just me today. She is on her way to the Fancy Food Show in New York and she is bringing with her a bunch of new exciting organ companies I just wanted to mention them really quick so she is bringing straightaway cocktails no nuts for you Hmong Dynasty mindful protein and one for Neptune great life for Lucinda so um, I just wanted to mention that it's a cool way if you're a new small startup and sometimes you don't have the funds to go to these big food shows sometimes you can tag along with other businesses so these eight companies are going with the Food Innovation Center, and they can come and show off their products and um, be part of that event without having to pay the big price tags for those big shows. So just keep in mind that that is an option for you. Uh, If you have any food news for us to talk about, you can submit it at StartupRadioNetwork.com, and we can read your press releases and things like that. So even though uh, Sarah is not here today, I am not alone. I have some guests. This is our first show with guests. So I would like to welcome, I'm so excited. I would like to welcome Yvonne and Ian from Momo Coco. Well, hi. Hi. Hello. Welcome to the studio. We're you're, so happy to be here. I'm so excited. You're our first guests.
2: What an honor.
1: <laughs> so you guys are the co founders of Momo Yes. Correct. Yep. And when did you start your business? in, was it 2017?
2: Yes, we're yes. headed into our third year now.
1: Oh, that's exciting. Congratulations. The years blend. I'm like, what? <laughs> it all becomes a big blur. I totally understand. So I um, last week, we talked about um, people going to the Food Innovation Center Time to Market Showcase. And that event was just yesterday. So it's a local event highlighting new food businesses. And yesterday, I attended the event. Sarah was there, too. I met tons of new food friends. And I got to meet you. Yeah,
3: <laughs> how was the event for you? It was really great. We got to meet a lot of people. We always do. Um, this is well, the first time we did it. We did it as um, part of the Get Your me to Market. So I had nothing for sale. It was more getting the idea. Was out it there. your very first show that you had done? Yes. Cool. Yeah. And then we came back as vendors um, at both the holiday um, show and then the next um, Get Your Re- I mean, sorry, the Time to Market Showcase. And this would be, I think, our third one. Our second one is Vendor's
1: very cool so it is a great marketplace if you're just starting out to kind of test it and see how it goes uh, I know I, I noticed yesterday that it was um, some people were like figuring out how to set up a tent and making sure that they had a table and all the things so it's really good practice for you know businesses who are starting but I also have done the event over the years as every time that I have something new to bring to the marketplace so even though you know I've had my business for eight years so I was there last year to talk about my cookbooks so So it's a great thing to bring new products. Whenever you have something new, you can keep doing that event, which is really nice. And it kind of helps you get your, you know, wording down. And it's a good way to practice what you want to say to your regular customers.
3: I agree. And it's also good if you want to reconnect with one of the buyers that you know are going to be there. Because you know that there's that buyer... um Hour, an hour and a half that before the actual event opens. So if you're, it's a good place where it's like, well, you know, I really want to reconnect with a buyer, and I know they're going to be there. So let's head out over there. Yeah. Um, but you're right about, uh, you know, putting out new products. Um, we had a tea, and I really wanted to like get that in front of a lot more people. Oh, I noticed yeah. that. So tell us about the tea that you brought. The the tea is really interesting. Actually, it is. Um, it's called brewing cocoa historically but it is basically whole bean cacao we grind it coarsely we add a little bit of black tea and actually darjeeling and Pu'er. we have three different roast levels two different beans three different roast levels to that just like coffee light medium and dark and i mix it so we have our own little blend and you brew it like tea you or you can do it in a french press or in a really fine mesh tea infuser
1: very cool. So you're bringing this new, innovative product to market. I've, I haven't seen it around anywhere else. So as far as I know, you're the only person that does that here in town. So you have this new thing that you're bringing, but you also have your regular products. Right. So tell us about those. Well, we make cocoa mixes.
3: We are in the cocoa business. <laughs> so we have six flavors of um, cocoa mixes. They are non-dairy they are. They have interesting flavors. We we start out with just our basic. It's a base for all of them, which is just premium chocolate, organic cane sugar, organic vanilla, um, just basic ingredients, delicious stuff. And then we add um, different either organic spices or uh, culinary oils to the other. Um, the other um, mixes culinary essential oils. So we have a lavender, which is an organic lavender with a little bit of bergamot. We have queens, which is organic orange and almond. Uh, we have our chocolat, which is um, cayenne, cinnamon, allspice, with a little bit of black pepper. And, you know, it goes on from there. Our mint is using organic Sealy mint. I can't forget that because I want to shout out to Sealy. <laughs>
1: and, they're, and they're a local company too, right? Yeah, yeah. They're in Croscone,
3: uh, Oregon, and they're the nicest people. I, we got yeah. it, it straight from the farm.
1: Very cool. So you're um, selective about your ingredients, so, mm-hmm. shall we say. And you buy the um, mixes in, in single-serve packets, Correct. Those are actually double served. They're oh, okay. are two
3: servings each. Cool. They're also really great with coffee. So I always tell people like if you're putting in your coffee, it goes a little further. But yeah. we we specifically wanted it to be something shareable. We feel like com- cocoa is comfort. Yeah. The whole um reason behind it is that it's a comforting drink it's part of it's something it brings back good memories um we just wanted it to be a little bit more elevated yeah and um so we
1: wanted it to be something that people can share very cool well i had my daughter with me at the showcase yesterday and she loved the chocolate so her favorite was the mint do you have a favorite flavor the chocolate. One, the spicy. Oh, and yeah, the spicy one. I tried that one. I loved it, of course. Anything spicy, I was ready to gobble up yesterday. So that one was delicious. I loved it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, thanks for sharing. I always love when um, I get to go to these events and try all these wonderful things, and um, you were very welcoming at your booth for me to try anything that I wanted to, which was very nice. <laughs> um, so what, everybody chooses kind of a business path when they're starting out. What brought you to chocolate in the first place? I've just always loved um, cocoa. Yeah, I, I
3: always. Have, I mean, I always. I, I grew up in Southern California, where you don't get a lot of winter, really. Mm. But it didn't matter when fall came around. I was the person saying it's cocoa weather. You got to drink the cocoa, and I'd be the person with the pumpkins and everything. And it would be ninety degrees outside, but it didn't matter. I'm still making tarts and <laughs> yeah, being very fall. Um, I always liked sort of that um, nesting feeling of fall. And that was part of the comfort of it. When I became vegan, I found that there just really wasn't that much good cocoa for people who don't don't drink, do dairy. don't do dairy. Mm-hmm. Um, I started developing recipes, and um, then found out that the reason why the milk is added back into cocoa is because, as part of the process, they were removing all the cocoa butter. Or oh. at much as much as they possibly can, um, so we. I, I found out that well, the the um, issue is the fact that we are kind of stripping out all the good healthy fat from it.
1: I was wondering, so I tried your product, and then when I got home, I was looking at your website and and saw that when you're sampling, that there isn't dairy in it. I thought there was dairy in it when I was trying it. Just because it's it was so creamy and right. it seemed like it was, but I was surprised <laughs> once I read that it wasn't actually made with any dairy. You use like what, what? What were you sampling it with at the market yesterday?
3: Yesterday it was with oat milk. Great. I used to always sample it with rice milk
1: mm-hmm.
3: um, because I felt like it was twofold. Um, people who had allergies, I I wanted to make it something that was more neutral for
1: people who had allergies. Yeah, like uh, accessible to more people. Yeah,
3: accessible. Um, also, more neutral flavor-wise, so that the chocolate really shone through. But also, because rice milk is not known for being very creamy. Mm-hmm. Some people would be very surprised. They would drink it, be like, wow, this is still really creamy. Yeah. Unfortunately, in if Pacific is listening, they stopped making rice milk, and they had the best rice milk out oh, there. Man. So we switched to oat because of the allergy. We wanted to make sure that the most people can them. Um, mm-hmm. And I love oat. I love oat milk, too, but. Yeah,
1: well, it was delicious. So it's so what's making it creamy is actually that you are leaving in the essential oils of the cocoa. Correct. The co- yeah, the cocoa butter. Cool.
3: Um, so it uh, it has more than the general um, cocos that are out there, and um, and you know, there, people were adding milk back in just to give that more mouthfeel and that that flavor that fat does bring to foods.
1: Yeah. Well, what has your journey been bringing your product to the marketplace? Has it been easy for you? What has it been like? Well, I work full-time, so has it been easy?
3: Hmm. Um, <laughs> it's never easy, right? No, it's never easy. <laughs> <laughs> there's challenges. There's always challenges. But it's been fun, I guess, even through the challenges, even uh. through the – you know, from the moment of, like, oh, is, is anybody actually going to um, – buy this product to, like, seeing that my favorite restaurants have taken it on. I mean, we're in several cafes. Uh, We're in Daily Feast and Cheryl's, uh, um, as well as um, um, Cricket on the um, east side. Oh, yeah. The Red E Cafe. um, And um, in September, Blue Star should be rolling out a a signature drink with our cocoa. Very cool. So it's... um, it's been fun and seeing and like exciting, and when stores bring it on, or when I have a market and I get people's reactions. Um, it's also been fun making it, and of course, fun making the re- recipes. Yeah. Um, has it been easy? No, I mean because you know it's never easy to start a business. There's always things to worry sure. about, and I'm on one of those people that will, no matter what, I'll start. A market or something, and go. Nobody's coming, and then all of a sudden, like I'll be like, "Oh, everybody!" Like I've got tons of customers, but
1: I'm I fail you. I do do that every market. I think (laughs) I I get all set up, and then I'm like, "This is gonna be great. This is gonna be great." And then when you're standing there and no one's there yet or hasn't started, you're like, "This is gonna be terrible. Nobody's gonna come." Or here, everything is so dependent on weather. So even as you guys were setting up for the market yesterday in the morning, I was thinking it was raining, and I was thinking, "Oh no, it's there. It's gonna be so." slow but then it was beautiful it was a beautiful day there was lots of people there right so things changed for the better (laughs) well being in cocoa I always am like if it's cloudy it's oh yeah it's (laughs) probably good for you (laughs) for me it's like oh no you know know, (laughs) yeah if it's if the event is in the morning and it's warm out. I'm like, oh, I don't know. (laughs) People in the morning, they probably want to try cocoa for you. But for me, they're like, I don't want hot sauce with my coffee. For you, they'll be like, oh, I'll try your hot chocolate. It'll grow great with my
3: coffee. Right. Well, when I, uh, what I've noticed and what I have to remember is that people who are the early birds to to the farmer's markets, they're there for produce and out. Oh, yeah. So I'm like, okay, I have to remind myself, they're here, they're purpose driven. Mm -hmm. So they're like, no, I've got my my stall. I'm going to it. I don't want to even be bothered. So I have to
1: remember that it's when like the next hour goes when people are leisurely walking through. Having a um, business at the market, you have to do a lot of self-talk, I feel like, to remind yourself that everything is going to be okay because sometimes it f- doesn't feel that way in the moment. So when you see all these customers coming in and maybe they're not coming over to your table, you're like, oh no, what's wrong with what I'm doing? But then you know that they're just on a mission. Your people are going to find you. It's all going to be okay. Right. I mean, there's been many times where I'm like, i I'm going to make no money, and then I'll be like, "Oh, look, we beat our last
3: record!" Yeah, and
1: I'm like, oh, "Okay." <laughs> it, t- it makes a great turn sometimes, which yeah. is always wonderful. So, um, I realized when I was looking, uh, I was researching you last night after I met you. So, I realized that we have actually been in the same place at the same time a lot. Did you know that?
3: I think I remember seeing you <laughs> a few times in this. Especially in Portland, um, people we we bump into each other so much. It's yeah. Like, it's almost like a festival scene when we go to different shows. It's I like, had hey no idea. <laughs> We've
1: been at Crafty Wonderland together. We've been at the Beaverton Farmers Market together. All of these events, and all all of a sudden, I was noticing we have been in the same place at the same time never met until yesterday but that tends to happen when you have a, f- a small food business so if you are at a big event you get stuck in your booth and you yeah. don't get to meet all these wonderful people just the people right next to you right next to you you meet your neighbors right yeah well i sorry we haven't met before but i'm glad that it happened yesterday and i'm glad that we get to be here together today yeah now
3: we'll know when we see each other at another show yeah okay yeah yeah. I mean, you're right. It it really is. Um, it's a small world. I bump into the same people all the time. But you're right. I, you know, I sometimes I mean, I remember at Crafty, um, you know, I had to specifically say, I'm leaving the booth and like do like literally a lap just yeah. to see what's there. And mm-hmm. I, th-
1: I think I barely got a chance to stop some places, but I really was like, I just want to see. I know. And <laughs> so. it's, pr- it's probably we're around people that we would have the most in common with, but we get very little time to interact with them. Right. <laughs> that was one question I wanted to ask you about having a food business. Do you, um, do you ever find it isolating?
3: I have found it actually broadening. Oh, good. I'm in law. I was in law. I still work in law as well. I have found interestingly, like you know, law is full of characters. I've often said I've, I'm. I write as well, and I've often said like th- they're great characters for for writing. Um, but when you're in law, you get stuck with the same people all the time, and mm-hmm. it's interestingly with how many lawyers there are out there. That's a small world too, particularly when you start getting very specialist uh, specialized. Um, But getting into the food industry, I'm meeting so many more characters and like people with just so many different backgrounds and countries they come from and cultures they're bringing in with their food. And I am just amazed at it. And then the customers, too, just from all different walks of life and all ages and things you don't see when you're just in the law firm working with the lawyers and the, you know, the the other movements, the clients, But
1: yeah, it gives you the opportunity to be out in the community meeting new people. Right, right. And what about, how do you produce your product? Are you making it yourself, like in a kitchen? Do you have a kitchen space? Yes. Right now
3: we are in a, um, a, com- um, a commissary kitchen, a shared kitchen. Mm-hmm. We are producing a small batch. Every two-ounce pack is hand-packed by us, very sometimes long. very late at night. <laughs> yeah. So, especially I... during the holidays. We will be um, starting with a co-packer in September, and we're very excited about that. Cool. Um, yeah, you know, we feel like you know the more time that frees up for us to be able to sell the product is yeah. better. You know, we immediately said as soon as we we got the co-packer, we're like, you know, that this isn't really going to lighten our load, but it will <laughs> in some ways. You know, it's just going to be.
1: Was that different. a hard decision for you to make? I think a lot of food entrepreneurs get to this point where they have to make the decision, do we keep doing it, or do we do use a co-packer? Was that difficult for you, or what was that decision like? We just knew it was needed. Yeah.
3: Um, last um, holiday season, we grew quite a bit. We got quite a, a number of orders um, all at once, and I remember sort of a panicked moment calling my instructor over at um, Get Your Recipe to Market, Jill mm-hmm. Beeman, and saying, like, I need help, and I need a co-packer. I need somebody right away. We got through. We did it ourselves. Good job. Um, it was. Um, it was just then we realized if we grew this much, or even if we did this much again, we are we're going to kill ourselves doing this. Mm-hmm. We have to get somebody on board, and it's difficult to find co-packers because um, you need to find somebody who you match with, yeah, as well as somebody that works in your field. Um, We quickly found out that not very many people work with chocolate. It's Mm -hmm. a very difficult product to work with. And not even fewer work with cocoa powder. Because it's not only difficult, but it plumes and it gets everywhere. And they need to have a clean room and they need to clean everything out. And they might not have the specialized machinery to make that easy. Our co-packer at first, when we first toured their facility, they weren't able to do it. They said we just it's just too much plume. Then they um, redid stuff and got you know new machinery. We like we um, got a bunch more room and a bunch more machines. And they called us back and said, you know, you might want to come back. I think we can do it now. So that's really cool. Yeah. So it was. A godsend because it came at the right time. You're yeah. like, well, we're really
1: needing that. So I think that's something really important to mention is that when you when you have your business and and you're needing to pull other people in, it really is like establishing a relationship with them. So even to have your kitchen space, your commissary kitchen, that has to be a really healthy relationship for it to work for you. If you're going to have a co packer, that has to be a really healthy relationship for it to work for you because you're really entrusting these people with something that's so important to you with this business that you've created. So it has to really be the right fit. Right. Well, for instance, at the
3: commissary kitchen, we have to be very careful. Part of the reason why we work so late, part of it is because I work today. Right. But part of it is because we have to look and we have a vegan product. And if there's somebody who's like, we, there's some people there who do um, food prep and they do heavy meat. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to mix mm-hmm. on that moment. Yeah. i not, I realize that there's going to be meat there and it's not their fault, but I can't take my vegan product and be there when there's meat on every shelf, I mean sure. every surface, you yeah. know? So it's a, um, you got to work with what you've got kind of a
1: thing. We've had things like that, too, where, um, you know, over the years we've shared kitchens with a lot of people and, um, you know, you just have to find the right fit. It, it, It usually doesn't, I've noticed it doesn't always work for a, say we had a cheese company and then a vegan cheese company. They didn't. It didn't work for them to work together. So even though we started out like that, there was just too many obstacles. Um, and it's fine. You know, it's okay to say that something doesn't work and find a new space for yourself, but it can be challenging too, you know. But I think it's important for people to do that, to be happy in their space. Right. I know the, the
3: um, food prep people are the nicest people too. So we always feel like... I, I want you to know it's not you because you're so
1: nice. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. it doesn't mean they're bad people. It just means it's not working for you in the moment. Right.
0: (laughs) It's like we're not leaving right now because. (laughs) Yeah. And now a word from our sponsor. Committed to serving Oregonians with the mission of advancing science that lives at the crossroads of conservation and production. Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are inspired by the creativity of new food development. We strive to find new flavors, new economic opportunities, new experiences, and honor diversity. We are proud sponsors of the Meaningful Marketplace because good food brings people together.
1: Well, um, so usually in the show, I have Sarah try a product, and since you didn't really probably make it out of your booth, I brought something from the... um, food innovation marketplace yesterday to try i have a product to try and we'll see what we think about it does okay. that sound fun yeah it sounds fun. so um i found this business she was not right next to you she was on the other side of the market so you probably didn't see her but there um is this product called maple and i think she just is starting <laughs> but it is a sesame seed spread she said it was kind of like a nut-free nutella so it ingredients are sesame seeds, date syrup, maple syrup, cocoa powder, and sea salt. So I thought it would be interesting for you because it also uses cocoa powder. So I thought we could try it today. That sounds good. And <laughs> anything I like in there sesame you can't? Seeds, so. Anything in there you can't have? <laughs> okay, perfect. <laughs> uh, I love sesame seeds. <laughs> Great. So here we're just going to try this on air and talk about it, see what we think. So my daughter really liked this one. Here you go. Um, for. She, she wants it on toast, is what she told me, and for breakfast in the morning. What do you think?
3: <laughs> I really like it. It tastes like halva.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's delicious. I love it. So I brought it because I thought maybe this could be my first mat- market matchmaking. Because I like to do a lot of collaborations with people. Mm-hmm. So I thought maybe if she was into your cocoa powder maybe it would be a good match for you guys to do like a product together so no pressure no I'd love to talk to I her I just um, thought it would be fun so we do a lot of collaborations with other businesses and it's kind of how they start out is just being like oh you're using cocoa batter maybe you could use mine you know
3: right exactly No, no, I'd love to talk to her it's a, it, I like the spread and I think that would
1: be really good with toast as well we'll see how I do as a matchmaker we'll see if it works works out we'll follow up okay <laughs> Um, okay, so one thing that I noticed at your booth, I picked up one of your flyers. Mm-hmm. I noticed a picture of a sweet little kitty on there, and it said, Meet Momo. Tell us about Momo. Oh, yeah, that's our Momo. <laughs> He's our muse, the real boss. I like to
3: say that he, you know, we're just lucky that he likes to get paid very cheaply with <laughs> treats and
1: love. You don't have to pay big prices to have him on the photo on the, as a flyer photo? No, not at all. <laughs> No expensive model fees, and just a cat tree.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So, what made you name your business after your cat? Well, it's actually a funny story. We were um, trying to figure out what to name the business, and Mm -hmm. I was going with like more like like higher end, like kind of like these like things that I really don't go with. Our Cocoa really. I mean our cocoa was comfort. But I was thinking more like Theobroma, like kind of some word on the, the tree and mm-hmm. he didn't like it immediately. <laughs> but um but not only that, but it was taken. Anyway, but um obviously. But I um we kind of halfway were joking, Momo walked by or something or jumped on something, and I said, Well, we can even Momo Cocoa and we're like, you yeah, know, well, that kinda of works though. it's really cute and it's
1: comforting and it's you know It has a story. (laughs) Yeah. It's part of your journey. Right. So if your cat was going to start a business and name it after you, what do you think he would call it? And what would it be? Oh, my goodness.
3: (laughs) My Minions Treat Shop.
1: (laughs) Treats. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. Because you must give your cat a lot of treats. Yeah. They get treats. They get a lot of treats.
3: They're maybe a little too much. Oh, you have more than one cat? Yeah. Um, we have
1: now It's three cats. We had four, um, but we have three cats now. Do the other ones get jealous that they don't have food mis- businesses named after them? No, not so far. <laughs>
2: no
3: cat. Keep,
1: as long as they keep on getting treats. No cat jealousy created. No. Okay, so I we mentioned that we can find your product at a couple of the cafes, right? So yes. you said cricket cafe people can go in and enjoy your cocoa, and I keep saying ch- hot chocolate. Is that wrong, or can is it it's, the not same. Wrong. Okay. it's not wrong? Yeah. Okay, I can say both. Yeah, right? okay, cool. But a cocoa, it, it does it's uh, it is more versatile. It can
3: be used as a hot chocolate, but it can also be a coffee mixer. We've even had people who sprinkle sprinkle it over their ice cream. Oh yeah, yeah. When my customer said that to me, I'm like. How did I not ever think of that? Mm-hmm. Um, but we um, have had people who said they put it in their smoothies and their um, they bake with it. Have we, you ever tried to with it? Make magic show with it. That is something I've thought about. We've we've you we've try, we, yeah. it's it's an idea
1: bouncing around in our head yeah. for sure. <laughs> that would it, when I was tasting it, I was thinking this would probably be really good. Yeah,
2: I find that. Uh, m- a lot of people call it hot chocolate, and a lot of people call it hot cocoa. Mm-hmm. And I think it has to do with what they called it when they were a kid or yeah. what their parents and grandparents called it. That so makes sense. So they're it's basically synonyms. They're the yeah, same thing. Same
1: thing. I yeah. just didn't want to be calling it the wrong thing. And you're like, mm-hmm. oh, I
0: wish you stop yeah, saying lovely. hot chocolate. <laughs> and then there's
2: drinking chocolate, yeah. which typically is melted chocolate rather than uh, cocoa. Powder. powder. And, yeah. and yours is a
3: powder. I wanted specifically to be accessible. Yeah. Um, I wanted it to be elevated. Mm-hmm. I didn't want it to be just thought of as like, you know, this cast off, you know, thing. Then I think that's what a lot of people think like, oh, that's kid stuff because they think, you know, that's stuff that doesn't really taste that chocolatey, but yeah. it's not. But I wanted to be more elevated, but I also wanted to be accessible. Yeah. I wanted to be something anybody can do instead of feeling like they need to get the melting and, or go someplace very You know, I wanted them to feel comfort.
1: That was one thing I noticed on on your website. Let me see. Let me find the line exactly. It says, high quality cocoa accessible to all. So tell us a little bit about what makes the quality high and then how you're making it accessible to all. Well, um, one thing, the fact that we leave
3: leave the fat in, so that um, creates a high quality cocoa. It is a Dutch cocoa, um, I know there's there's always talk about whether it's Dutch or natural. Dutched is uh, um, alkalized. um Ours is a higher Dutch because and so it's got more of that reddish quality, but it also makes it so that it makes um, as well. Um, a natural cocoa sometimes curdles in milk just so people know. natural cocoa is great, but there are sometimes th- some reasons for it. So we just use this higher quality we we um, Dutch it to a, it's Dutch to a certain level it's a it's just um and a much um, smoother, creamier cocoa. Was it hard for you to find that to source it? Yes, it was hard to find the right one. Yeah, and it makes it, it always—it's it, the thing that goes through my head of like, I'm going to worry when it's like I can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I, as a as a food um, business person, I also still keep my eye out all the time. I'm always asking cocoa companies, "Do you have, you know, like?" W- do you have these qualities and can I sample it? So that I always know that, like, I'm all like, and if I find something better, I know I can, okay, I can switch and, and do something with them. Um, but yeah, it was definitely uh, hard to find the right one. I went through a lot of recipes, yeah. even before starting the business, just a lot of different cocos and a lot of like sampling and a lot of, I and mean, we probably have like multiple pounds of cocoa even now. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, from like people who send us like an ounce and I'm like, I don't know how you think I'm going to do a R&D with this, but okay. <laughs> need a little more yeah. to test myself.
1: Is there anything about the cocoa or chocolate industry that you think people should know? Because it sounds like you've done a lot of research. So right. is there anything you want to share with the listeners?
3: Well, you know, there's a lot of talk right now about where we're getting our cocoa from. Okay. And it's extremely important conversation to be having. Um, I do think that a lot of companies out there are are becoming more aware, and I like that. And I think a lot of the big companies are actually even becoming even more aware. There's a handful that have been more um, reticent to kind of deal with the problems. But I like it that a lot of like the more the the higher quality companies are doing more even to to open the conversation. Yeah, and I say, think it's
1: important to talk about where our food comes from and why. And, you know, mm-hmm. your customers know that you're making choices based on quality of product. And, and that just, even just saying that makes people think about, well, what, what do you mean? Like, there's a choice between the Cocos and the things that we're, you know, sourcing. And I think it's just an important conversation to have.
3: Well, the hard thing is, is that it's a commodity. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times, even if you are, you are trying your best to get, the unethical or, or a good quality. And I think even some companies find they have this um, issue. It's like because it's a commodity, it's like everything's sort of being kind of mixed in. Mm-hmm. So you're like, okay, I'm doing my best to get this ethically traded, um, but unless I'm really there, am I going to be sure? And of course, even larger companies can't be there forever. Like they can, yeah. they're not going to be there watching like. Where did every bean come from? You know, if it gets mixed in, sure. and we're talking about highly volatile areas where um, governments are switching or often, or or governments turn blind eyes quite often. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a very it's a very um, it's I guess it's um, it reminds us that we're living in a that we're all living in this world. And that there are other people who maybe don't – it's like we we think about how we are um, consuming things, but we only think about our own little world. I mean, and that's – it's it's just part of our psychology. We can only – in every day, we're only going to be able to think about one moment. But it just kind of reminds us that, like, oh, there's this whole big world, and we don't exactly know exactly what's going on everywhere, Mm -hmm. and that we're, at the same time, all a little responsible for each other. Like um, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and it's, it's, um, it is humbling looking into these things and learning more. Yeah. You know, things I didn't even think about when I started doing it. I'm just like, okay, i just get a cocoa. And, um, and then all of a sudden, like just this world opens up and I'm like, oh, there's all these things. And almost every, everything I, I use comes from a third world country. Yeah. And people don't realize how much food product comes from a third world country. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and well, that there is a trade, and there's things that even when you try to source things ethically and responsibly, and sometimes you just aren't sure, and so you have to really like do the research to figure it out. We get a lot of dried spices, you know, from from everywhere, and so it once we really tried to figure out if things were organic if they were you know sourced ethically it it makes you sometimes make changes quickly because you're like oh wait I don't I don't know if this is the answer that I thought that I was going to get and I think that I need to keep looking until I find the right thing well even
3: when you find the right thing it's important I I still I still ask about and I still ask other other vendors or or other distributors to see what I'm I'm getting yeah because things can shift very rapidly. Um, especially in those co- the, those um, countries, like, all of a sudden something can just completely shift, and you know without any control, maybe even control of the company that you're getting it from. So it's not because it,
1: it's because it's a commodity. Commodity; those companies are bought and sold all of the time. So you have to kind of stay and governments connected. fall, and yeah.
3: you know, ev- you know, re- revolutions happen, yeah. <laughs> yeah, marauding and all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but um, the it's. Just a, I think it's an important conversation to have, and just having the conversation it's never it doesn't have to be perfect yeah. that's the thing too it doesn't have to be perfect.
1: we just have to keep on moving towards that, yeah yeah good and it and it changes I mean all these things change, and so it's important to keep talking about it and i I just noticed there's a lot of stories right now about chocolate and chocolate companies and how things are done, so I just wanted to bring that up so it sounds like you're doing your thing to make the right choices and continuing to yeah because
3: you know um none of us are perfect. We are. And so, you know, we always have to examine. And, um, and that's the thing It's like, you know, when you find that, oh, this isn't really working very well this way, it's like, it's, um, it's just a conversation. That's what I love about it. It's a conversation, you know, it's like, let's, let's have this conversation. Let's examine it. Um, and it's, a broader conversation is how much we want to pay for things, mm-hmm. right? Like, we've all been used to getting some, a candy bar for a dollar, but it's like there's a price to be paid for that dollar. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you think about, like, you know, people, you know, going to the, the going to a fast food place and like, oh, let's go on the dollar menu. Well, but there's a price. There's the reason why that's a dollar, how that can be a dollar, there's... You've gotta think about why that is. Yeah.
1: Do you ever get that reaction from people when you're um out tabling that, oh, I could buy, you know, a box at Costco of, you know, packets of hot cocoa and, it, and sometimes do you have to find do you find yourself explaining why your product costs more, or why it's important to look at those things?
3: Yeah, you know, we wanted to have our product be so accessible and be like just we wanted to really be like Bargaining. I mean, not like bargaining in the sense like a cheap product, mm-hmm. but, but we're like, well, we've soon found out that we just can't. And as a matter of fact, we're even thinking like, okay, you know, is our price model even right here? But it's, um, it's, always, a, like, it's always in flux in that regard, but mm-hmm. I do sometimes have to communicate with people that this is the reason why. I think um, um, most people who come to the markets – Most people who come to the shows, most people understand that, you know, they're buying an artisan product. Mm -hmm. um, That they're not buying a product from Hershey's. um, Not to call out a name, but, you know. (laughs) um, But they're not buying a product from a big company. They're buying a product from a small company. They're buying a product that is a product of love and that they love the product and they're willing to. So I'm finding a lot more understanding of that. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say that the, the... only, um, it's interesting, the only negative comment I got, like, for instance, I got a Facebook comment that was, I love your stuff. The only thing is the price. Mm-hmm. And um, so sometimes I do, um, but I'm finding a lot more people just understanding Yeah. That.
1: The thing with those comments, too, is that even you've, you've probably had hundreds of people tell you how wonderful your product is and that you should even charge more and things like that. But that one comment that you got sticks with you. <laughs> you always think about it.
3: I know. I know. It's like a human thing, right? Yeah, it's
1: just the way we work. I know. <laughs> My husband always does the farmers' markets, and um, I'm usually back doing production. And then when I do come, I'm like, wow, people say really nice things, but I'm on the other end, usually just getting the anything that people have where the you know something got broken or something like that. You know, we deal in glass, so we have a lot of like broken shipments sometimes, which is heartbreaking for me because it's like I made this. Thing for someone and I sent it to them all the way somewhere and then it ends up broken and I'm like, oh no. <laughs> yeah, I can feel that pain. <laughs> you
3: know,
2: I think that one thing that people don't realize about food costs is how much of it is not the food, you know. More of the cost is paper mm-hmm. and getting the product from point A to point B mm-hmm. than anything else. And then when you start adding the cut the stores take the cut the distributors take yeah that's all way more than the actual food yeah. you know so it's like we wanted to origin when we started this we wanted to sell for a dollar a cup that was mm-hmm. the the goal and we can do that if we don't provide packaging or we don't distribute it to you. Yeah. Either one of those goes, we can do it for a dollar If you'd a like to put yeah. out your hand. But if, yeah, but if you want a <laughs> I'll retail product. right products, into your
0: mouth. <laughs> right?
2: If you want something that you can put in your bag and take home with you yeah. in a convenient way, then it doesn't... So, you know, it's amazing because the... Food in a lot of the products that are in the stores is the lowest price part of the package when yeah. you think about all the things that go into putting a food. It's what it takes to get the it store. there to
3: bring it to the marketplace. And the hour and the hours you put into yeah. it. Yeah. So it's uh it it's it's very it's we getting involved with it, it's just like oh. Mind-blowing. <laughs>
1: yeah. we um, Have you had to make any adjustments to your pricing as you've started to get into stores and get into cafes? Because that probably wasn't something that you set out to do in the beginning, was it, to, to have it in restaurants?
3: Not at the beginning, but um, when we were going through the program, the like Get your restaurant market program, as I mentioned before, um, we kind of early on, I, it came to me like, you know, this is good with mochas. It's, it, it's a good fit. Um, so you had
1: it kind of designed from the beginning, like how yeah, you would we'd sell actually it to like to um, do further more. along that mm-hmm. regard uh, in that regard. Um, if you have a restaurant or a cafe and you're looking for cocoa, yeah, find Mama Cocoa. So it's um, it's definitely something
3: we would we're interested in exploring and expanding. Actually, um, it. It's just it was – it it came to me pretty – early on I thought, oh, just product, a product for people to buy. And Mm -hmm. then it came to me like that actually really fits. Um, But – and I'm sorry. I think I got – off of your quest- no, question. I
1: just was wondering, so we, you know, we didn't originally have a wholesale program for restaurants and we had to design one, and so it was just a new challenge, you know, as a business mm-hmm. owner. So I didn't know if that was something that you faced, but it sounded like you kind of knew in the beginning that was something you were going to do. But then uh, you have entered the marketplace, do you, you were mentioning um, shipping things to people using distributors, things like that, so do you, can people find your product in stores? Yes, it's in Market of Choice, Green Zebra, uh, um, Barber World Foods as well.
3: They carry a couple. They, I think, the Mint and the Basic right now. Uh, we are also at Made Here and at the Meadow. We're um, because of the Meadow. We're at also in New York City.
1: Ooh, yay! Yeah. yeah. So, our New York <laughs> listeners, you can go get her chocolate at the Meadow, which is a lovely shop. We have one here, and then they have one in New York. Right. Well, we have two here,
0: actually. Oh, wait. Yep.
3: Yeah, and, uh, and we have. They have a New York. They also have a Tokyo store. Oh, very cool! Are you just open? Not yet. Oh, I hope you make it there. (laughs) That would be exciting. And then, of course, online and in the markets. So we are looking to expand to more stores um, and um, definitely more cafes. Yeah. Um, We want to, you know, stay pretty local at first, Mm -hmm. and then move forward from there. You know, it's just being in New York is is more of a because of the meadow, Um, but. I do have to say I'm really proud. My son went out there. He lives on the East Coast, and he went out there to um, do their demo. And um, I had just shipped him a new product in preparation for the demo. Mm -hmm. And uh, we made um, a record record of um, conversions at that demo, they basically sold out of almost everything but a few packs of mint.
1: That's so cool. Yeah.
3: So, and then he was like immediately like had to order more, which was, you know, a three hour demo and we sold out. So,
1: yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I love that. Um, so we always try to encourage people to buy directly from the makers. So if people want to come by from you, where can they find you?
3: Um, first is Momococo.com. Mm-hmm. Um, also at the Beaverton Farmer's Market. I will also be starting at the Hillsborough Farmer's Market in September, awesome. um, I, I think Vancouver Farmer's Market, so we're branching out to there. I'm also looking at um, starting adding on a few more Farmer's Markets. Um, it's just us right now, but we are trying to expand. So if anybody needs a job, we are actually hiring for the September for the next, for fall for awesome. the markets. And um, markets and when they and, contact you through your website for that if they yeah are interested in working markets yeah definitely and um, we also are you know we we on our website under events I'll be putting in events that were are com- that are coming up cool and um, we will be um, hiring also for events um, which we're we're thinking of we're trying very hard to get this up on this this next season. Um, uh, having a cart for events. So, because one of the biggest dumb things we get is can we just get a cup? Yeah, And we thought like, well, that's a good way of also spreading our name and,
1: you know, expanding and, you know, providing cocoa right to people. Yeah, where they... it's a great addition to holiday marketplaces. And now mm-hmm. that I know we've done all these craft shows together, I will be looking for you in your cart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's do a follow up on that
3: because I, we are really trying to get that going. And we will. That's one of the reasons why we're also needing, um, you know. Looking for some, help.
1: Yeah, you need some help. I don't have enough hands. That's so cool. So, anything else you want to plug? Any products? Any Instagram handles? Anything you want to put out there in the world? We are
3: also working with Sarah Masone on a mm-hmm. syrup. Um, we're pretty close with that. So, hopefully, we'll be getting that syrup out in the next season as well. And what we say next season—that means. Well, actually, I guess summer just starts today because <laughs> I was just saying next season. They're like, summer? I'm like, no, actually,
2: yeah,
1: <laughs> we're, Even though it rained yesterday, we're, we're not we're quite. starting
3: summer. Next season for us is
2: the fall. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
3: And um, you know, Instagram is um, Co. There's underscores, momo underscore coco underscore co. Um, Facebook is at momococo.
1: Okay, very cool. Well, people will find you. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, we record Masonian Marshall inside of Ned Space. Thank you to Alan, our engineer today, and our production j- assistant, Chelsea. If you would like to be a guest or submit a press release, just remember you can submit those to startupradionetwork.com. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, guys.
0: Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are proud sponsors of the Meaningful Marketplace, committed to serving all Oregonians with the mission to advance the science that lives at the crossroads of conservation and production. We are inspired by the creativity of food innovation, new economic opportunities, and new experiences, because food brings people together. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen.